Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. G'day, Darren Mitchell here, and welcome back to another episode of the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. So great to have you on board yet again, and if you are a very first-time listener, hey, welcome. Thanks for uh, thanks for stopping by. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, what I talk about today is going to be enough for you to say, hmm, there's something in this. I think I might start listening to a few more episodes, but I might also start investigating some of the back catalogue as well. So um, I designed this podcast to help sales leaders to take the leap to exceptional, but also for aspiring sales leaders who are looking to move into a sales leadership career, perhaps don't know necessarily what the next step is or how they make the next step, Uh, but listening to a a podcast such as this, hopefully there's enough information to at least start to form a philosophy around leadership so that when the opportunity presents itself, you are ready, willing, and able to take advantage of that opportunity. So if you're a first-time listener, uh, thank you for plugging in. Welcome, and of course... If you are a returning listener, greatly appreciate you continuing to listen to the podcast. Love the feedback that's coming through. Love the emails, love the text messages, love the conversations. And uh, it's it's really great that, hey, one person in one part of the world can have an impact on people on the other side of the world. And that's the amazing thing about podcasting, uh, putting out some messages. And it's not only a point-in-time exercise, it's also an evergreen. So even though I'm recording this podcast today, on Tuesday, the 17th of August, uh, it could well be that you're listening to this podcast in September 2022, or in fact, you could be listening December 21. So wherever you are in the world and at whatever time it is right now, I trust you're doing a phenomenal week and you're taking full advantage of all the opportunities that you and your team have right in front of them today. So in this episode, in today's podcast, I alluded to this last week. I was actually going to record a podcast last week on the back of a workshop I ran at the beginning of last week for a large global organization, uh, had a group of great, great leaders in the room, uh, albeit a virtual room. We did this via Zoom, and we were talking about managing people and managing performance. Now, if there's one thing that is synonymous with leadership, it is the requirement to manage your team's performance. Now, wouldn't it be great, though, that if we could have all members of the team, and particularly if you're running a sales team, all members of the sales team who were exceptional performers? How good would life be? Uh, how amazing would the results be, and how easy would leadership be? Unfortunately, that is not the case because it takes all types of people to build a team, and it takes all types of people to uh, to ultimately deliver results over a long period of time, which means you're going to have some times when people are not necessarily performing at the level that you would like them to, nor at the level that they expect to be as well. Now, there are some people that Unfortunately, and, and thankfully, this is uh, this is the exception rather than the rule. There are some people who simply do not have a innate level of discretionary effort that they can bring to the table. And this is this is not going to be a podcast episode where we're talking about the formalized performance management process because every single organisation would have their own formalized process. And I honestly, I don't wish that process upon anybody, especially the person going through that. But certainly from a a leadership point of view and the onerous expectations that are placed upon a manager when it comes to managing somebody in a formal sense, it's not great. And it's a, it's a difficult conversation to have. It's a difficult process to go through. And ultimately, it's not a, a great outcome because it's, uh, it's, it's distasteful in, in for, both, for both the person 
going through it and potentially the manager and also the company doesn't necessarily win either. So I do want to talk about though managing performance and as exceptional leaders, we need to uh, nip performance in the bud when it starts to drop below the expectations. Now this presupposes of course that we've actually set the expectations, we've got an environment of high performance that people want to actually put in a high level of discretionary effort and therefore deliver the results that they know they need to deliver but also they want to deliver. But we also need to understand that there are some times when people, for whatever reason, uh, will actually dip in terms of their level of performance. And it's what we do as a leader at that particular moment that can often make the difference between getting that person back on track really, really quickly or starting to create a foundation of a culture that says performance below a certain level is actually okay. And when that happens, we start to have a different level of standards that are being developed and are not necessarily the standards of excellence. They are the standards of average and standards of mediocrity in a lot of cases. Now, one of the core philosophies that I've always had uh, being about being around a great leader, and this is something I share all the time, is starting to focus more on who, who do I need to be on a daily basis so that I can underpin and provide this culture of high performance and exceptional performance. And I talk about this as being one of the key mantras of a, of a great leader is having a to-be list rather than just looking at your to-do list, which presupposes that we've got to know how I need to be every single day to create the best opportunity for my team to perform at their maximum level. So there's three core, core things I shared with the team last week. One was, one was a little, it's a little Venn diagram known as the knowing, being, and doing Venn diagram. And the knowing part is, hey, knowing how to lead, knowing how to set KPIs, knowing how to set objectives, but also knowing what your standards are. So having a level of knowledge, but then taking that knowledge and actually implementing it to the point where you know exactly what you stand for and the team knows exactly what you stand for as well. The second part is the being. So being the leader that your team needs, not necessarily being the leader that your team wants because a lot of people want a leader that is almost operating at arm's length, gives the team huge amounts of uh, empowerment and there's nothing wrong with the empowerment but when it comes to the difficult conversations, they don't necessarily want a leader who is prepared to have the difficult conversations when they need to have it. So being the leader you need to be for that particular team, which also means that you need to be the model of excellence, and the big one is be consistent. So be consistent, be a great leader, and therefore set up your team for success. And the third part is the doing part. So how do I act like a leader? What are the things that I need to do? What are the key activities that I need to identify in order to be the best possible leader I can be? But also what are the things I need to do on a daily basis that will lead to long-term sustainable success? So the knowing, being, doing part is a key element of the leadership philosophy. And what's really interesting about this is when I share that with uh, just about every leader that I come in contact with, whether it be a client or a potential client or not even, a, not even a client, it's actually quite rare that people are thinking in this sort of context because what they tend to be conditioned by is doing the, I guess, the, the tangible, what I call the surface level things, uh, putting in place the KPIs, measuring people's actual performance, not necessarily considering who do I need to be as a leader so I can be the best possible version of myself to create the platform for the team to be the very best possible versions of themselves. So it starts with knowing who you need to be every single day. And I kind of use this as a, as a bit of a platform, if you like. It's a foundation. So when it comes to then leading your team, and this is really important when it comes certainly to managing performance, is you've got to actually recognize what motivates your team, how they learn and how they like to communicate. Now, I am still staggered today at the number of people I ask this question of, and the response is, well, I've got no idea. And the question is, what motivates your team? What motivates your team collectively, but also what motivates, more importantly, your team individually to do what it is that they do every single day? 
Do you know what motivates your individual sales executive? Why do they do? Why have they chosen your team? Why have they chosen your business? Why have they chosen the industry to be in? And most importantly, what keeps them coming back? Now, when it comes to managing performance, this is an absolutely critical element to exceptional sales leadership, is knowing what makes your team tick, knowing what they do, why they do what they do, and why they continue to do what they do. Because here's the thing, guys. If your team, and there'll be every team at some point has highs and lows or peaks and troughs. So when the highs are high, it's easy, right? Time time ticks beautifully. Uh, Feels as if everything you touch turns to gold. Life is awesome. But when you're down in the depths of the lows, when you're down in the troughs, life is not that easy. And these are the times when you need to understand, okay, what is it that motivates this person to do what it is that they do? And how can I help remind them as to why they do what they do to then help get them out of that particular trough as quickly as possible? So when it comes to managing performance, this is an absolute non-negotiable. You need to know what makes your team tick. And if you don't know right now, if you're listening to this right now and you've got no idea what motivates each of your salespeople to do what they do right now, then you need to almost stop this podcast and ask them that direct question. What motivates you to do what you do? And it's not money. Right now, I'll just say, so you know, it's not money. In nine, 9.9 times out of 10, it will not be money. It'll be something else that motivates them. Uh, money may be part of the, the equation is as in terms of the overarching uh, reason why they do things because they like to get recognized and all the things that money potentially can buy for them, particularly if they're, in, if they're in sales. But I'll guarantee it, and I'll almost put my house on it, that 9.9 out of 10 will say that money is not the number one driver. But you need to find that out. And the reason we need to find that out is because that becomes the piece of information that we can use to help them increase their own level of intrinsic motivation when the chips are down. Because one thing is 100% certain, at some point, the chips will be down. So understand what makes your team tick and what motivates them. And the reason for this is becomes it becomes critical when it comes to feedback. So one of the things in great cultures, high-performing cultures, is feedback is actually demanded. It's not a nice to have. And this means when things are going well, the leader is actually one of the first to actually give give feedback, but it's specific feedback. But also when things are not going so well, they're more than happy to have that conversation and sometimes the difficult conversation around feedback. So feedback is critical. And this is really what we're getting to in the crux of today's conversation because I don't want to be talking about a formalized performance management process. What I do want to talk about though is a couple of ways to have the conversation so that we're essentially providing a level of feedback to get the person back on track, to get them out of that trough and to hopefully prevent us having to go through that formalized process, which as I said, is quite onerous for both us and for the individual. And so when it comes to the managing performance, there will be times and there it could be things beyond our control, it could be things within our control, which is leading to the performance of the individual not being at a level where it needs to be. And so we have to have the conversation. And one of the key responsibilities of a leader is being prepared to have the conversation when you need to have it, it guess what, irrespective of how you feel. Because I can guarantee it, there'll be times when you're having to have a conversation with somebody and you might have a great relationship with this person, you might uh, like this person, you might have a great friendship with this person. And sometimes, just sometimes, that can actually be a bit of a, uh, a barrier to your ability to have an effective feedback-based performance-correcting conversation. And we need to remove ourselves from this and we need to remember, as we said at the start of this episode, who do I need to be in this particular conversation so I can extract the potential out of this person that's in front of me to help them get back on the right track and help them get back into delivering those sustainable results. So we've got to be able to step forward irrespective of how we feel. Now, when it comes to then having the conversation, one of the key things we've got to think about is doing the preparation. There's no point just jumping in 
to a conversation without having some form of plan in place or some form of strategy in place in terms of how you would like this conversation to go. And so the three key things to consider before we actually step into the conversation. Then I want to share with you two ways to actually have the conversation as well, which hopefully is beneficial to you. And it certainly helped the guys we were running this workshop for last week. So three things when it comes to preparing for the conversation. The first thing we've got to consider here is, okay, what is, as a sales leader, what is my intention? What is my intention for this conversation? Is my intention to help them get out of a trough? Is my intention to have a performance management conversation? Is my intention to criticize? Whatever the case is, you've got to be really crystal clear on what that intention is. Now, hopefully, it will not be to criticize. Hopefully, as, a, as an exceptional sales leader, it will be to help them get back on track as quickly as possible. So that's the first thing to consider. What is my intention as the sales leader? The second thing is I've got to consider, okay, what is the emotional receptability right now of the person I'm about to have this conversation with? Are they ready to have the conversation? Now, you might be sitting there thinking, well, I've got some people in my team that no matter what I say, there'll never be a right time. They'll always look for an excuse and they're never going to be ready or receptive to this conversation. Well, this is where discretion comes into it. At some point, we still have to have the conversation. You might have somebody who wants to avoid having this conversation and that's a strategy they play and often it's a strategy to protect themselves from what they think potentially is going to be a really difficult conversation or potentially from facing the reality. But at some point, we still have to have it. Now, you need to consider that emotional receptability. And it's not to say, hey, they're 100% open to this conversation. You need to make that judgment call. But you need to consider their feelings, first of all, and think about what is their emotional state right now. And are they ready to receive the message that we're going to have to deliver based on their performance? And then the third part as part of preparation is really thinking about, well, what sort of information do I have? What sort of evidence do I have? What sort of data do I have? in order to base this conversation on. Because the key thing around feedback, it, it is not based on your opinion. It needs to be based on pure facts, but also based on behavior that are centered around those facts. So making sure those three things are in place will give you a great, a great start to then delve into and jump into that particular conversation. Now, when it comes to actually having the conversation itself, there are two types of ways to have this conversation. And depending on your personal style, your communication style, your, your energy profile, uh, one of them will be more preferable for you. And so what I encourage you to do is think about, okay, what are you most natural at? What are you most comfortable at? And play to your strength zone, but also think about, okay, based on the person I'm having this conversation with, they might need me to be something different than what my natural state is. So you need to consider that as well. So the first, the first way to have this conversation is simply in an empathetic way. And I call this the empathetic, the empathetic path or the empathetic route. And what this is all about is having the courage to have the conversation when I need to have it, but also considering the person's feelings, considering the person's perspectives, and not just having a one-way conversation. The whole objective of an empathetic conversation, when you think about it, is to create a win-win outcome. So it certainly takes the person to step up and acknowledge the fact their performance is not where it needs to be and acknowledge they want to improve and get back onto an even keel or even get better than an even keel. But also acknowledging that, you know what, their performance is not where it needs to be from a company perspective. So we're looking for how do we drive a win-win outcome? Because this presupposes, of course, that because this person is valued, a valued member of the team, you want them to remain in the team. You don't want to have to go down this path of getting rid of them. And it's not about getting rid of them. It's about getting them back into a level of performance where they can start to, again, excel in the role they do and become that exceptional sales member of your exceptional sales team. So that's the first way, having an empathetic conversation. But it does, it does require us to have the courage to lean in and have the conversation when we need to have it, particularly if we don't feel like it, particularly if it's going to be a person who we feel strongly about, who we've developed a friendship with, 
but you need to have that conversation anyway. But at the same time, consider them, consider their perspective, but look for a win-win outcome. So that's the empathetic path. The second path is the assertive path. And people who who tend to be more of a driver type personal style or tend to have a sense of urgency and are quite matter of fact, often find the assertive path a lot easier to have um, and a lot more effective. Now, this also means that you've got to consider the person who you're having this conversation with as to whether an assertive conversation will actually be receptive or they will be receptive to this conversation because it's not always the case. However, if you can have an assertive-based conversation, it is going to be based on, uh, I guess, some sound business principles, some common principles and some standards, and it should be relatively easy in terms of the emotional levels to be able to have this conversation because when emotion comes into it, this is where sometimes you can end up saying things you regret, they can say things you regret, but by having an assertive conversation and following a simple three-step process, it means that you should be able to have this conversation with little or no emotion attached because we're keeping it focused on what are the core business principles and what are the standards that we've agreed and just keeping the conversation to that. So it's not what I think, it's not what they think, it's based on how are we performing against these standards. So the three steps to an assertive conversation around performance is, first of all, identify the problem, define the problem. This is critical. We need, we need to be really crystal clear as to what the problem is. And this is where facts become absolutely fundamental. What are the facts? Where are we actually performing against our metrics? What are we doing or not doing that is a, a fact-based metric that we can then look at and have a conversation around? So that's the first step, define what the problem is. The second one is, step two is to identify what is the solution. And it presupposes that there is a solution. We want to find a solution. So this is where we need to work together to identify what that solution looks like. And getting a really clear understanding as to what the roles and responsibilities will be for each of us as part of that solution, but getting a really clear view on what that solution looks like, which will then pave the way for step three to then transfer the ownership and have a clear outcome. Now, when we transfer ownership, essentially, I can't be the salesperson for the salesperson. The salesperson has to step up and to perform the role to the best of their ability, which means they have to take on board ownership by where they're at and B, where they want to get to, but also C, the things they're going to do in order to move from where they're at to where they want to get to. And so having an assertive conversation with those three steps, defining the problem, identifying the solution, and then transferring the ownership can be a very effective management tool in terms of helping that person get their performance back up to a level where they need to be. So there are two two keys, two strategies, two techniques to have conversation with people where you need to correct their performance. And again, remember, this is not managing their performance. This is not performance management. It's all about correcting their performance because it presupposes, of course, that you want to continue to invest in the people within your team and you know that they're more capable of, of achieving more than what they're actually demonstrating right now. And it's incumbent on us as leaders to help them become the very best version they possibly can in their particular role, and what can I do to help them? Now, I've got to therefore have that conversation and be prepared to have that conversation. So I hope that is of value. I hope that helps. You might have some people within your team right now where you have to have this conversation, and there's a couple of techniques and strategies to be able to do that. So hopefully that is of value to you. So as we wrap up this episode, I'm still on the lookout for that next ideal client, that sales leader who is looking to take their leadership to an exceptional level and really burst through their performance levels over the next 90 days, not just for themselves, but also for their team. If that is you, if you're committed to taking your leadership to the exceptional level, if you're committed to that change, if you're committed to that development and you're prepared to invest in yourself, then I'd love to have a conversation about working one-on-one with you. Simply go to my calendar, leadwithdarren.com. 
pick a time, let's have a conversation and get started as early as this week. So I look forward to that conversation. And as always, look forward to sharing with you on the very next episode of the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. All the best. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.